0: Welcome to the Stockouts. This is your show at Freightwaves for all things related to the consumer packaged goods industry, the CPG industry. I'm your host, Mike bowden i and the head of intermodal solutions here at Freightwaves. I uh, work primarily on the data side, but also do some media as well um, as it relates to the railroads and uh, CPG. Have a great uh, show today. Have Ben Ritchie from Black Rifle coffee company to talk about um, you know, sort of the challenges that he's experiencing uh, in his uh, supply chain. So we're going to learn a lot from uh, that. Also going to give us just a quick rundown of the news. Um, but before we do that, uh, for anyone who's not already signed up for the Stockout newsletter, we get out a newsletter every Wednesday uh, for all things related to CPG, uh, things I'm seeing in the data, etc. And uh, if you're not signed, already signed up, please go to www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stockout or freightwaves.com forward slash subscribe and subscribe to all the newsletters um, you want. Uh, This is going to be the first one there under supply chain. So encourage you to to do that if you're not signed up already. Uh, And also would encourage everyone to sign up for our next virtual conference, which is uh, February 20th through 24th called Global Supply Chain Week. And you see there in the middle, day three, we have that day set aside for food, beverage, and uh, CPG. And that's going to include you know, the guest I'm going to be speaking to in a minute, Ben Ritchie from Black Rifle Coffee Company. It's also going to include Tom Medrecki. Some of you know Tom or, or have um, seen Tom speak on either this show or another one of our shows. He is uh, the logistics, logistics guy at the Consumer Brands Association. So that's the association that handles a lot of the CPG um, brands, uh, so a lot that that um, you know they are talking about uh, right now that I've talked about on other episodes of uh, the stockout. So I encourage you to do tho- to do those things, and I'm going to hit hit on just one uh, news story uh, today before uh, talking to our guest, and that is the FDA is moving forward on front of packaging labeling requirements. I actually think this could be potentially a big deal for the CPG industry. You see this. This is uh, from the front of a package. This is in compliance with what's already mandated in the UK, and that's actually a bag of carrots. And for carrots, it's not going to be a big deal. You see, you know, green uh, for for fats uh, and salt. um, You know, kind of an orange for 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 sugar. And so, basically, the idea is, you know, no one reads those uh, table on the back of food packages, or at least doesn't read it very closely. So, uh, if they make it sort of a stoplight right in the beginning, right in the front of the package, more people will use it. This is sort of a zoomed in example of that, this, this is something that might go on a sugary cereal. And you might look at this and say, well, that's more sugar than I want. Um, if it's 38% of what I'm supposed to have all day with this little bowl of frosted flakes or, or whatever it is. And so, you know, I sort of surmise in the uh, FreightWaves uh, stockout newsletter that, you know, some of the CPG companies might, you know, add SKUs and have some healthier SKUs, some SKUs that are sort of the original, which would be a departure From what we've seen in recent quarters where a lot of the CPGs are rationalizing the number of SKUs they have, Um, and the FDA is moving forward on this. This was a recommendation uh, last September from the White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health, and they're going to survey uh, 3,000 adults, uh, see if they really find these nutrition labels more helpful. The Consumer Brands Association has already come out against it. They say it takes away from marketing space. And it's just not necessary because you have that other table. But um, I actually think, uh, you know, the, the consumers are going to find it helpful. I don't think many people sort of consider how much salt they're getting. Um, so that's something that I think is um, something to watch in the CPG uh, industry and, and the type of thing that, you know, I talk about in the, the CPG newsletter, in addition to all the uh, freight data that we get uh, sort of throughout the FreightWaves.com uh, website. So with that, uh, I want to bring in our uh, guest today, which is Ben Ritchie. He's a Senior Director of uh, Distribution and Transportation at the Black Rifle Coffee Company. He has experience as the Director of Transportation at Pepsi Logistics and Director of E-Commerce Supply Chain at Frito-Lay. Can we get Ben on the screen? And Ben, thank you for joining me. Great to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me. Love the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for being a friend of the show, supporter of the show. Really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to start with a macro question. I know mean, we've talked about this sort of uh, in other meetings, but, you know, so much is, is coming out on, on sort of the consumer. Uh, you know, the Wall Street Journal today had a big thing on the consumer potentially slowing down. Have you noticed anything in from, from your perspective in terms of consumer changing you know, behavior?
1: Um, at this point, um, well, you know, I, I know all, all of us are keeping a very close eye on it um, and, and we're expecting trends to really start kicking in if they haven't already in CPG as far as like, what are people reaching for? What are, what are American consumers reaching for off the shelf? Are they, are they trading down? Um, what do the behaviors look like? For us, for Black Rifle Coffee Company specifically, um, we haven't seen a significant effect yet. And part of that, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is just the strength of our brand. Um, you know, I was able to share a little earlier on, on what the truck with Duner, same thing that, you know, um, from the beginning of this company in 2014, um, Evan Hafer and Matt Bass, the CEO and founder, um, have done such a great job with building a, a very powerful brand um, that I think resonates with a lot of people in our country. And so they want to uh, reach for, for our product. Um, and now we've now we've made it easier to reach for since it's on the shelf at at Walmart uh, about as of about six months ago. Um, So, you know, from a package, from a uh, bag coffee perspective, no, I would say we haven't seen any, um, any slowdown. In fact, we're continuing to grow. And then um, for our ready to drink the cappuccino in the can, I mean, we're, we continue to turn on whole region's through distributors, through beverage distributors. So uh, we, we haven't seen it yet, keeping a very close eye on it.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear that uh, you're still showing resilience. And, and I agree with you that it's really a really strong brand and one that's really getting a lot more recognition here lately, um, you know, in the minds of consumers. I uh, wanted to ask you, just: can you talk through some of the supply chain challenges that you've had? And I'll, and I'll let you sort of take that question any way you want to take it. What's sort of been on the front of your mind with, your supply chain transportation networks dealing with walmart just, it's just what what has been sort of the biggest challenge over the last
1: few months yeah uh, our our biggest challenge has really been um keeping up with our own growth is the best way that I mm-hmm. can say it uh, you know we, we've gone from um four warehouses to to nine or we might be in ten here pretty soon that's going to keep growing. You know from a carrier based perspective, we were really pushing everything through one broker for over the road um and I guess even in parcel we we're very heavy in one carrier now we've diversified our carrier base uh, across our network um the, so the biggest the biggest challenge has been and and this is a little different from you know coming from Amazon and then coming from from PepsiCo where you have networks that are they' they're certainly um fast changing and uh, dynamic and you know leadership and, and great companies like those wants to keep does a good great job of keeping up with uh, changes in the market and so things are dynamic but uh, probably except for some of my time in frito late e-commerce that was really nascent and growing fast that e- e- this is even faster growth than, than what I've been a part of before so the biggest supply chain challenge for us is keeping up with that growth and then Partnering with um, whether it's uh, over-the-road carriers, parcel carriers, or, or warehouse 3PLs, partnering with the uh, organizations that are are going to be nimble and h- with us and help us grow, um, it's a big challenge because y- y- we have to make good decisions on who we're partnering with, um, so that as the growth continues to happen, and we I literally have these conversations as we're going into you know. RFPs or, or giving uh, maybe a carrier relatively large award um, that they're ready for that. And in most cases, we've already assessed, we've already seen what uh, a potential partner or potential larger partner can do. Um, but you know, as we're going into a bigger, you know, as we're making a, a, a bigger uh, agreement or maybe giving a bigger award to certain partners, um, I, we have that conversation. Say, Hey, there's other as we grow. There's other things we're going to need for you to do. We might need for you to deliver to the ground. We might need for you to do um, more warehouse delivery. We might need more capacity in this or that region. And so we we have those conversations going on. So we're sort of very particular about that. That that's been the biggest challenge. I wouldn't say that we we weren't. That's a challenge we've been able to you know um, to meet head on. But that's the where the most work has been. Just getting the right partners in place it
0: sounds like you're partnering with larger companies that can handle not just what you can throw at them right now, but they can handle where you think you're going to be five years down the road, maybe ones that offer a number of different services, maybe different modes, maybe warehousing, maybe all, all these different things. So that's that's interesting. Um, has, has there been any just challenge as far as because you're so fast growing, it just makes it difficult to forecast how much capacity you're going to need and and all of those things. Probably it was easier when you're at Frito-Lay had some concept of uh, track record of those
1: products. Right. Yeah. Uh, definitely were um, companies I've been at in the past. Uh, you, know, you have that built out cadence of demand. That's pretty regular. You might introduce a new SKU or a new set of SKUs that but even that you can, you can benchmark off of previous launches. And for us at Black Rifle Coffee Company, um, because of the strength of the brand and because we're just you know continually turning on new markets where we know we know there is demand but sometimes it's more explosive than we than we expected even um it it is a challenge like you say it's a challenge to um to build out you know and as we're built we're building systems in our you know we're building out our our erp building out our enterprise systems too which is going to take us a little while we're having to do a lot of solving on spreadsheets. We're having to do a lot of solving with uh, a really fantastic and amazing team across our, our planning and our procurement, uh, our entire supply chain. And see you know, going even further than that into uh, marketing and sales. Everyone works together on this. and does such a great job of, of figuring out, as we're launching something like vanilla bomb, our new, uh, one of our new ready to drink SKUs that is, um, really great drink by the way and recommend picking one picking one up but from your convenience store and trying it out um you know how much we're actually going to need to make and I think most of the time we probably shoot kind of low and we we get low on stock pretty quickly and then we make a lot more and we overshoot a little bit and we have to pull it back so uh these are great problems to have but as you're alluding to it, it is a it is a Big challenge for us, especially in an environment going back to your first question, where it's sort of like, well, what are what are consumers going to be reaching for? Where should we be leaning in, um, and what should we be getting to the shelf, and how quickly to make sure that we're we're keeping our, our operation lean uh, while we're growing, while, while while we're experiencing this tremendous growth. So, um, it, it's a fun equation. In my estimation, it's a really fun equation to try to figure out and it's fun to solve and, and then it's fun to go and execute, execute on. Um, but it, it, is a, it is a challenge. Um, and I, I would say, you know, right now we are, uh, we're in a pretty good spot with all of our inventories. And clearly we've had uh, uh, heavy inventory across industry and we're trying to work through some of those inventory gluts across industry. And I think right now we've kind of leveled things. We're just trying to get it in the right place in the country at this point.
0: Great to hear. Um, And I wanted to ask you, I mean, some of the other CPGs have talked about things like not having enough and not having the service at the level of quality that they would like. I mean, like general Mills has talked about not knowing when the truck is going to show up on time. Kraft Heinz said there, you know, every day goes by, there's, there's some ingredient we don't have, or some packaging we don't have. You know, we've heard of things like, you know, not having enough um, aluminum cans or not having, you know, glass jars. If you had those types of, of issues where you've just had a certain ingredient constraints or certain packaging constraints?
1: Um, Ingredients. I don't recall anything specifically that really um, held us back too much. Certainly we experienced the same um, uh, um, aluminum can short, uh, not a short, we didn't have a shortage ourselves, but um, we certainly had to lean into making sure we had enough cans as we were ramping up our ready to drink production into the end of last year is with these new SKUs that I was just uh, referring to. And then just the demand on the, the basic set of four um, original ready to drink SKUs. Um, so yes, with aluminum cans, we experienced the same thing. I guess you could say, thankfully, even with, with the explosive growth, we're still a bit smaller, you know, than a, than a PepsiCo or, um, you know, other, other organizations that need um, millions and millions of cans to get through their production. Um, at the same time uh, with you know being a um a, a little bit right now at least for the moment a little bit smaller um need for the cans than than other much larger organizations um it, it was still still uh, tough to get what we needed there for a minute um but we did kind of get ahead of it we have plenty of, we have plenty of cans now for production for sure uh i, I think and i think that was largely you know it's just like anything in supply chain right? we we knew we have a great uh, procurement team who knew where the risk was going to be. So they got out in front of um, especially the cans, but also in corrugate and some of the other ingredients, like you were talking about things like, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of ingredients that go into that ready to drink. I'm learning a ton about how that stuff's made, you know, the sugar and the extract and the, the different flavorings and everything. Um, so they they were able to get out in front of making sure that we had enough with enough shelf life to be able to make it for the next you know, several months and really start having some safety stock, which has been really cool uh, to, to watch and be a part of uh, with that team just because uh, they've been so flexible and so um, uh, smart about the way that they have procured for us to be able to get out in front of any any shortages. Now, at the same time, it looks like we're, we're coming out of those shortages. We're coming out of the the, the risk. Period a little bit. Um, I, I would I would be more concerned now about the pr- price of some of that stuff. But again, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, for the moment we've got we've got everything we need to, to make us to make what we need to get to go to market wherever we need to. Um, you asked about you asked about uh, tr- trucks not showing up too. That's an interesting one. We have not experienced that that much, um, and. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why that is. I, I think uh, the team has done a great job with uh, with procurement, but like I said, you know, when I first stepped in, we were really pushing most of our over the road freight through one broker. Now we're now we're diversified, uh, and now we're running RFPs and we're warding freight out. So, um, and I don't think it's changed very much. We we have seen occasional, you know, I get, I would say almost pretty consistent fall offs and that's just normal stuff that happens in in the market w- whether it was tight beginning of 2022 or loose middle to end of 2022 we've seen sort of consistent falls, but we're able to recover really quickly um mm-hmm. and i think for our length of haul and the the our um time frame to deliver we've still we've still had a really high delivery on time delivery percentage you know 98 99% on time delivery so um a little bit of effect, but, but not, nothing, to, nothing to, uh, big to speak out there. That's great. It sounds like those, that's really high
0: service levels. I, I wanted to ask you, so now you mentioned the, the procurement with the you know, RFPs. How are you approaching that differently today versus, let's say, a year ago? And maybe to put some additional context in it, sort of throughout your career, how does this compare to other economic cycles?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Now, I guess for Black Rifle Coffee Company, just to you know, be clear though too, as we've grown, we've we've just now grown into having a transportation management system and um, running RFPs. This is we ran a very small one about six months ago. The end of this year, we're we're getting into the cycle now, uh, the RFP cycle. We we just ran one uh, for for about a third of our lanes. And you have to keep in mind for us because we're growing so fast and adding new lanes and new customers all the time. we're still uh, not really able to to bid out a lot you know, more than half of our lanes because they're um, they're going to be so sporadic as the as those corridors as we grow those corridors out um, but so we didn't have a bid process a year ago we do now um, and it's we just ran one and it went really well and we've got our carrier you know our carrier set in place and then we've got the rest of our lanes that mm-hmm. we'll still be kind of riding the spot market a little bit which right now is okay we know that's not that's not a good uh, a plan for for mm-hmm. the for the long term. And we'll continue to bid out more and more. The, the dynamics that you're you're alluding to are really interesting, right? I, I um, this is why we love truckload. We love working in the freight industry. At least you know, for me, and I know a lot of my counterparts um, is sol- solving this kind of thing as far as we're in a we're. In my estimation, we're in a different kind of cycle now that um, we're all trying to wrap our arms around, wrap our heads around, like, what does the new cycle really look like? Uh, It's not, it's just not, I don't think it's ever going to be the same as it used to be. You got beverage season and then it, um, you know, you've got, you've got peak season, beverage, both of those seasons did something different than what we would have normally expected if you go back to 2019 and earlier. Um, they both did something completely different, even though we thought we we're getting closer to what normal used to look like this year um, than what we would have expected, right? So it's it's an expect the unexpected, really, in my estimation, you got to really get into the weeds and do some math to try to figure out what to really make your call on what the market's going to do. And then to me, that's how, you, that's how we're running our bid then. So we're looking for, you know, hey, what do we think the market's going to do? Where do we think the shifts are going to be? What hasn't changed is that the partners that we're bringing in are the ones that are going to uh, be able to ride with us through the entire year and through the entire cycle, whatever we think that cycle is going to look like, you know, um, like, which again, I think with all of the geopolitical pressures, all of the commodity pressures, all of, you know, the, you know, domestically inflation pressures, um, we can go through all the, all the charts and all, all of the, the trends, right. To, to tell us that, um, we're gonna we're gonna to continue to see some bull bullwhips. We're gonna to continue to see trends um, changing relatively quickly and with pretty uh, significant magnitude in some places. And we're I'm looking for partners. we our team is always looking for partners that are going to be able to ride that with us, and um, clearly not take advantage of us. And frankly, when it goes the other way, they know we won't take advantage of them. It's partnership. So in order to grow, we gotta we gotta uh, have great partnerships. So that's how we're approaching. The truckload bit as well. We're looking for great partners um, who are relatively aligned to what we all think the market's going to do, and how we're going to support each other through through thick and thin, if you will, through through tight and loose, if you will, as the market shifts. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of shippers want—is the carriers that are that are partners, and it's like. Sometimes it seems like well they're 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 partners when it suits them, but then as soon as they can find you know highly rated spot freight, they're not such great partners anymore. So it's it's really kind of have a longer term memory, especially in this industry. It's kind of weird with the contracts don't have a lot of teeth. Um, so um, but, but that's great uh, commentary. Well, you mentioned beverage season. I know beverage season in beer is the summer, like Memorial Day to Labor Day, right? Is there is there a beverage
1: season in coffee? Oh my gosh, yeah. Um that's a that's a great question we have so because we have the we have our, our ready to drink as well so um our ready to drink season i think we have two seasons right we have the normal beverage season summertime because it is a it is a chilled drink um you can you can drink it warm if you want i think it tastes a lot better chilled um and and that's how you find it in the store for the most part it's chilled in, in the um in the refrigerator um but then there's also a winter season right for uh for for the ready to drink product, but also for uh especially for coffee right in, in our in our outposts and um and just with, with the flavors we come out with um uh, just as i like, any coffee company I guess would have is you know the the spiced pumpkin and all, all the different uh thanksgiving and christmas flavors um and i for coffee I guess you'd say you'd say that um that's it's coffee season all year long. <laughs> <laughs> as far as your ground and your your pods and uh, what we call rounds, um that 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 season doesn't really end. There are just some some um specific times when we do um have certain flavors come out that are seasonal, but pr- probably it's really the ready to drink that that falls in line with that you know normal um h- higher volume beverage season from uh what what is it May, May to July, August, right? Where it's hotter.
0: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, only have about a minute left. Quickly, mm-hmm. challenge of dealing with Walmart. Were they much different than dealing with other retailers because they're so
1: big, or or not really? Um, I, I would. We have a great partner. We have a great warehouse partner uh, that we're we're consolidating uh, through and distributing through. Um, so it it has not been um, it has it's not been difficult. But uh, I would say, uh, again, like most things that we've dealt with uh, with a fast-growing company where there's a lot of demand, probably were if there was anywhere that we stumbled at all, it was just making sure we had enough inventory to get all the Walmart as Walmart mm-hmm. not you know, was actually making orders, and the demand increased pretty quickly. Uh, so we, we had to quickly make it, make sure we were making enough to get to our consolidator to get to Walmart. Uh, we got through that pretty well without getting fined too badly. Um, so, but, you know, we're, we're just happy to be working with Walmart. Um, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a, it, it's a great, um, place to be and place to have our product. So,
0: yeah, a- absolutely. Um, so that's really about all the time we have, but I just want to thank you, uh, Ben for spending half an hour with me and, uh, everyone go check out our global supply chain week. We'll have another interview with Ben, another interview with, uh, Consumer Brands Association, among other food and beverage uh, content. And I hope everyone has a great uh, Monday.